My purpose, as I was mentioning, is to use storytelling, Black storytelling, as a way to heal, educate, um, and celebrate the Black community around the world. That, that's my purpose. Welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, drivers, and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobe Mponsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. All right, so today we have Deshana Spencer, who is the founder of Quelle TV. And Quelle TV is an interactive streaming platform that shares the African diaspora experience through amazing undiscovered documentaries, films, web shows, children's programming, news, and just so much more. Um, so, Deshana, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. No worries. And how are you doing during these times? That's the first question that I like to ask. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're going through a serious, you know, racial um, war right now. How are you doing during these times? I think like a lot of us, you know, just holding up the best that I, that we all can, right? Um, it's been such a whirlwind of a year. Um, but I feel like also as an entrepreneur, I've always sort of had like these roller coaster moments, ups and downs not sure what you know what's going to happen the next day because as an entrepreneur there are always things that could that go right things that go wrong or things go wrong all the time and a few things go right and so i feel like this is just another year uh, just with challenges just with compounded like a hundred times with with covid and then with um you know as i tell people in this revolution um that's what i like to call it um but i'm, I'm holding up okay i think you know for a lot of people, at least for, for myself, I've been really focusing on just trying to stay healthy as much as possible. Um, I've been trying to focus on keeping my head down and not being sort of swept away by, you know, the uncertainty of things, but just really focus on what I can't control. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's all, that's all we really can do, right, is just focus on what we can't control and reassess based off of what we're seeing and just trying to keep my family healthy you know like my parents are in their 60s and maybe want to be out in these streets and stuff i feel like go stay home like what, mm-hmm. what are you doing um but i think we're all doing it right you know uh I'm trying to do my part to you know social distance and wear my mask i'm just you know doing what i'm supposed to do and but the thing is too like i hate to shake my sounds a bit long but like all of us are going through something in our own way because of, you know, what's happening around the world. And I think we all, you know, a lot of this came into 2020, you know, with these really high hopes and it's a new decade and, you know, 2020 vision, all these people are selling these things, you know, for 2020 and it's just been not what we thought it would be at all. And, um, and I think we also have had to readjust, reassess, um, you know, everything we, we had to do um, because, because of COVID and, and, and now even beyond that. And so 
we're all just doing the best we can, including myself. So everyone stay strong. We're, you know, we're all in it together. We're all making sacrifices. Got you. That's well said. So Dashana, what's the definition? What does Kwale mean? What does that mean? So Kwale means truth in Swahili. And okay. our mission is to um, create content that's a true reflection of the global Black experience through, through storytelling. And how, what made you come up with the idea to, to make Kwele TV? I'm pronouncing it right, Kwele, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's called Kwele, it's Kwele, Kwele TV. Kwele TV, and, and um, you know, what made you come up with that, that idea? You know, especially knowing that there's, there's juggernauts like Netflix out there, and, and there's so many mm-hmm. streaming platforms out there right now. You have Prime, Disney just came out, you know, what made you come up with that concept knowing you had all those other juggernauts in place? So, you know what? I don't I, I always tell people at the end of the day, it's probably crazy, <laughs> you know, um, because I was, honestly, I, I was just frustrated with the stories I saw about the Black experience. And I wanted to see something different. Um, initially, when I came up with the ideal, there weren't that mainstream services, pretty much like Netflix and Hulu. HBO, they were trying, but you know, HBO Max hadn't even been thought of. And so I didn't really see a lot of Black representation. I mean, there was definitely some Black representation, but it was really more the Black women on reality television fighting, the, the Black men sort of those stereotypical gangster roles and drugs and alcohol and, you know, all the things that, I mean, I'm from Memphis. I, I grew up in, in the not-so-best neighborhood. I've known drug dealers personally, but it doesn't really make up like the entire, you know, black experience. And so I feel like a lot of times when we talk about black stories, it will be dominating with, you know, the, the, the certain elements of the black community where, you know, single parenting or single moms and dads in jail or, or even like in other parts of the world, Africa, child soldiers or, you know, corrupt, you know, leaders and AIDS and all the other things that we see in um, other parts of the world. And so um, I was like, well, geez, that doesn't represent, I don't think it represents, it's the full picture of our experience. And I want to be able to show that. I want to be able to see that. Um, and when I didn't see it, you know, started doing research and I was like, well, geez, if this doesn't exist, then maybe I'll do it, which is, you know, crazy within itself for someone to say, I'm going to start a streaming service. I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. Um, but I really felt, just felt compelled to, to do it. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I wasn't sure how I was going to make it happen. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any clout. I don't know anyone in Hollywood. I'm just a, a regular person with a dream, like literally um, sitting in my living room one day. Um, saying I, I want to see something that I don't see and because I can't find it, I'll create it. Well, I wouldn't even say you're, I wouldn't say you're regular for someone to <laughs> literally start a, a streaming service without even knowing how to start it or have any knowledge behind it. Um, right, right, it's, it's right. powerful in itself. So I definitely wouldn't call you regular. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about your journey when it came to raising capital from investors in the early phases of Quelle TV. Right. So it's always um, interesting when I remember the early days, I didn't really know, I didn't know, I didn't understand like the whole VC world, venture capitalism. I didn't, I didn't know anything about investors. 
I thought everyone just got, they started businesses, they went to their bank and got loans and things like that. And I started understanding there's a, a group of people in the tech space that, you know, instead of going to a bank, you know, they were expecting this high growth and they would seek out investors and, but to seek out investors to prove that your ideal could work and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, okay, so I'll just get investors. And so I remember reading, you know, how other people do it, mostly like white men, <laughs> you, you know, sometimes they just have a, something on the napkin and, you know, and they get money. But I knew that as a black woman, it might be harder. I just didn't know how much harder it would be. And so they say, oh yeah, you know, you build your MVP, your minimal viable product, you show traction, you, sh you prove that people want it. Um, and then voila, money comes. And that's exactly what my goal was. Now, um, I started the Queen's TV with $20,000. I won a pitch competition and I used some money to build the, the beta version of Quilly TV. The beta version was crap. I mean, like there's this, there's a quote from the co-founder of uh, LinkedIn. He said, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you start too late. Totally embarrassed by the first version of Quilly TV. It mm -hmm. could barely do anything. So for play movies and charge people like that, it, it was like the bare bones. Like it was crazy. And um, I was very naive, too, when it came to, like, tech and hiring the right people and bringing people on board who say they knew how to do stuff and didn't. Um, but I was assuming that, you know, those things can rectify quickly by an investor getting investment into the company and being able to build from there. And it was just very difficult. Um, number one, I, I am from Memphis, Tennessee, as I mentioned. I am not from the Bay Area. Um, I'm from working class parents, did the best they could to raise me, but they're not well connected. They can, hey, yo, well, Biff, my daughter's starting, you know, this Netflix for black people thing, right? And at a dinner party and they all pull together. That doesn't exist. Family and friends round, quote unquote. You know, my parents love me, but between them, my aunts and uncles, I might gather 500 bucks, you know, and for them that's like, wow, here's $500 to sign it, and that will, that will mean a lot to them. There is no, well, you know, here's a couple, you know, together, here's thousands of dollars or, you know, half a million from family and friends. I didn't have that. I also went to HBCU in Mississippi, Jackson State University, not, you know, Stanford or Harvard. I didn't go to any, any of those schools, and then when I graduated, I didn't work at like a Google or PayPal or Pinterest or any of the um, tech companies that also tends to be in the pipeline to find VCs. And so I didn't know all of this going in, um, that you have to know these people, you have to have warm introductions. And if you don't have warm introductions, then you pretty much can't get an investment. Um, and so I spent, you know, we, built, we, we launched our beta and I spent, you know, the first pretty much two years trying to trying to find investors unsuccessfully, all types of, you know, comments, no's and, you know, things I should, shouldn't do, you know, to, for them to invest in the company. And in 2017, um, I pretty much kind of gave up on the idea of um, seeking out investments. I almost gave up on the idea of having a company because it's just, anyone knows it's so hard just trying to run a business and then you're trying to run something that everyone has these high expectations, right? Netflix has all the money in the world so they can 
put all the stops and bells and whistles and I start my little company at 20 grand <laughs> and people expect us to be like them day one and it's the level the playing field just is so it's not leveled at all it's just like you know Netflix is like in heaven and we're like you know we're the a million feet deep you know just trying to even get to the ground and so it's like it has been so hard but I decided to sort of change my mindset instead of waiting for someone to sort of you know help us get to the next level I was like how can I make this work with what I have how can I change my mindset where I'm not coming across it's like I need I almost like I, almost like desperation if you don't give me investments we won't be successful I would go into these the few conversations that I did have with with potential investors out I, I feel like I was losing desperation and um, and, and that's not the type of person who, who I wanted to be. And I just changed that, you know, now I'm like, take it or leave it. I'll, if, you, if you don't give me any money, it's okay. I don't be sweating people. Um, like I did, you know, a few years ago, cause I'm like, I'm going to just try to do the best I can with what I have. If you don't believe in my vision, then, oh, well, I'll keep going. Um, but early on, it was really, 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 really hard. Hmm. And I'd like to dig into that a little bit. And that's, that's the reason why we have, guess like you on this show because there's something there that keeps you going even though you're not at that time getting exactly what you're looking for right what is it that you know you didn't you didn't have any knowledge of tech um i believe you have a, a media background but you've never like built an online platform you know of, of any sort in terms of streaming like what kept you going when you didn't have all the puzzles in place you know what? That's a good question. I, sometimes I'm not sure. I will say this. I'm very stubborn. I'm a very stubborn person. I've always been ever since I was a little kid. I never liked people telling me what I couldn't, couldn't do. That was fuel for me as a child. And someone said, oh, you would never be this. You would, All right, bet, bet. You know, that was sort of <laughs> my, my thought process as a child. And I'm a very spiritual person too. I, I don't really go to church probably like I should and everything, but um, I do a lot of prayer meditation every morning. I even remember years ago when I had the ideal and I was one of the finalists for this, this competition. I said I won $20,000. And I remember like in the shower, like, so excited, like praying to myself, kind of meditating, like, you know, is this for me? Is this for me? And I remember like, praying like literally saying if this isn't for me then I don't want to win it because I had before I had quality TV I had an online magazine called Empower Magazine it really wasn't going it wasn't moving fast like we weren't making any money we had some traction we had this big event kind of like Cena Heroes but for black people in DC that really honored everyday heroes in the in the local area in the DC DMV area and that was going okay. We were, you know, we were making money. We got sponsorships. It wasn't like it was a total failure, but I just felt like the mission of empowering black people through storytelling just wasn't quite there. And I was wrestling with, should I continue, could I continue with empower? Should I focus on Quilly or am I just supposed to be doing something totally different? Is it, am I just crazy to have these ideals all together that I'm supposed to be creating these storytelling and healing and the, the, and so in activism, kind of like all the things that were important to me. And so, and I said that, I was like, I don't want to say this, but hey, if this isn't for me, don't, then I don't want to win the money. If this is for me, then, then I will go, I will take 
I will, I will surrender myself to whatever I'm supposed to be doing in life. And I will go for, you know, full force, no matter what. And um, I won the money. And I said, okay, I guess this is some type of sign that maybe this is for me. And that's, has, that has kind of kept me going um, throughout the years because most of the time we ran out of money. I mean, we had, I had like 60 bucks in a business account. Um, the site was in disarray. I had hired a couple of tech people who could never get us off the ground. And it was very frustrating. I ran out of money and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I really thought that maybe this is it. I should, I should stop doing this because we can run the company. Um, but the filmmakers on the platform were like, no, at the time I was probably working with about 70 filmmakers and they're like, no, Deshauna, we know you're working really hard. You know, like they were like, you're honest with us because we've been, we spoke with other people trying to do the same thing. We haven't heard from them in months or years and we, they have our films and we don't know what's happening, but at least you tell us what's going on. And one filmmaker did curse me out because I didn't have any money. But everyone else like, no, we're, we're sticking, we're sticking with you. And so they're the ones who really kind of kept me going and made me relieved because I didn't want them to think I was trying to take advantage of them. So part stubborn, part faith, part, you know, filmmakers who, who keep me motivated to want to do the work, you know, the important work that they're doing, which is amplifying their stories. Powerful stuff. And I think, I think an excellent way to summarize this is, is again, just purpose. Purpose is what mm-hmm. drove you because if you don't have that, and I'm sure you can attest to this, if you don't have that, especially when you're building a business from the ground up, um, you're definitely going to fall. Right. So oh, yeah. I commend you for that. Um, yeah. So, I think a lot of people, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Shana. I think a lot of people start businesses. Some not a lot. I would say there are small, there are a lot of people start businesses for the right reasons. They, they have purpose. And then there's this small group of people start businesses because they want clout. They want to, they want to show on Instagram that they're, they, they become something or whatever. And I think it's, we have to evaluate our why, why we're doing things. And for me, it's always really been about the community. I love like people. I want to support like people. I want, I want to use storytelling as a way to connect black people together. And I we never, we never had those hard days. I remember that, you know, why, why am I doing this? And so anyway, when you're starting something, remember why you're doing it. If it's just, to say you're doing something, then that's not a good enough reason to hopefully make a lot of money. That's not a good enough reason because for a lot of people who do stuff just because they know it can hit big, if it doesn't hit big fast enough, they're out because that can't sustain you. (laughs) Only passion (laughs) and purpose can sustain you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So fast forwarding to where we are right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm sure you'd agree more people are at home now more than, than ever, you know, I think in the history of, of civilization. Um, but what is, what has surprised you the most with online streaming currently? So what has, like, what has, what has stood out to you the most? Like what, what happened, you know, with online and the the whole streaming industry, Mm -hmm. um, during this pandemic that you didn't, you didn't expect to happen? Like what was like, wow, right. I didn't okay. expect that to happen. You know what? Um, early on in the pandemic, I assumed that 
you know, people were losing their jobs and people were kind of freaking out a bit. I think we all were sort of in a sense shocked. I think, especially like March and April, I I didn't get any emails. I didn't get any phone calls. All my engagements were being canceled. We were all just, everyone's like in a state of shock. And I thought that every industry was pretty much going to really be hurt by the pandemic because people losing their jobs and people are worried about losing their jobs. And that's sort of where I was like, oh, wow, you know, I, 2019 was a hard year for Clint to be. We had a lot of wire frauds and we were hacked and I mean, all sorts of things. Money was stolen. Like it was a crazy time. And I was really hoping, oh, 2020, we can really grow and expand, blah, blah. But I became really scared because I was like, well, people aren't going to subscribe now because they may lose their jobs. We're, you know, we're not important. We're not toilet paper. right? <laughs> um, and so that was what I thought would happen. What has happened, I think, across the board for all streaming companies is that they're seeing this huge spike because people are at home. And I think people do need a way to sort of get away from the day-to-day. You have to turn off MSNBC and CNN. You can't keep watching the numbers go up and up and up. Um, I also think that a lot of people assume that this was like a temporary thing. Oh, you know, this is, you know, we'll be out by summer. It's going to warm up, which I kind of thought too. And the virus is going to, it's going to decimate. It's just going to end because it's so hot outside. <laughs> okay, Florida and Texas, it can't get any hotter. Yeah. Than Florida and Texas. It, it is, you know, I, can't, I want to curse, but it's an S show down there, right? Yep, I mean, it's yep. crazy. So, so if the heat can't kill it, then we are, we are just stuck at home until we, we do our, what we're supposed to do. And because of that, I, a, lot of, um, a lot of us are trying to find ways to sort of figure this out and escape. And online streaming is the way to do that. I know like Netflix has had you know, a really stellar year so far. People who they say would never have subscribed to Netflix are one of my mentors. She's like in her 70s. And she was like, I never subscribed to Netflix, but like I'm subscribing. Her sister's subscribing it to, to Play TV too, which like, yeah, you know, I never thought about it, but now like I have so much more time and I'm not going out with friends. So this is kind of where we are. And so um Quibi's not doing so well, but I think Quibi would have done better if 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 we were out and about, right? Because the whole point of Quibi is to watch quick things when you're out and about, you're waiting in line, you're mm, on the yeah. metro or here in DC, you know, subway in New York, other areas, Bart, you know, in the Bay. Like that was the whole point of Quibi. You had these short, quick bites, but now we have all this time in the world. So that concept, you know, unfortunately isn't working out for them. And so I just, it's, it's been interesting to see sort of even for Quilly TV, like once people started being at home, we definitely saw an uptick. But I would say that because of um, the uprising, the revolution, what we're calling it, I've definitely seen uh, a difference in people's interest in art content, historical documentaries, people, even like white people have subscribed to Quilly TV and they're asking for like hidden colors and material fire. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like the wokest black documentaries we have on the platform white people are asking to see them and so we're definitely starting to see this trend of people being interested 
Um, of course, I'm, I've, been getting, I've been getting a lot of racism too. Well, not personally, but Cool TV has on our chat by on Twitter. People are saying very racist things, but that's just going to happen. It actually doesn't even bother me at all. You know, um, as more people know we exist and know we're out there, there always will be people who say those things. And like, you should just, you know, where's our Netflix? Why do you need to separate yourself? Blah, blah, blah. But I think that the, this pandemic and, you know, with this uprising, has really shown us, um, I don't know, just like there are, that the systematic racism is still obviously there, which you've all known, but I think white people are home because they're, you know, working from home, they have a little bit more time to sort of Mm -hmm. see, you know, all the challenges that black people, we've been saying for years and just kind of been stopped talking about it at work because we just want to go home, go to work, go home and, and not be in the environment. But it's just been, it's such an interesting time. I can go on and on about it, but it's definitely more surprising, like positively, than I, I ever thought. I thought this year was going to be a wash. Equally, I was like, oh, we're not going to make any money. We're going to barely be making ends meet. But it's been actually the total opposite of that so far, at least. We'll see what happens. You know, we're still halfway through the year. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. And and just just to, you know, Quelle TV, the, the content you guys produce is, is solid. I'm a subscriber as well. And I, I love it. I love it. So, um, I work in the health technology space, so I, I understand I'm in the tech space, but, uh, one of my mentors told me that, you know, if you miss a year in technology, you're literally like a hundred years behind. Um, so you, you are accustomed to the fact that technology is forever changing, forever growing rapidly. And mm-hmm. even during the pandemic, I think it's sped up the, the technology age. I mean, we're, we're already in it, but it's just sped up the process ex- exponentially, um, how do you continue to keep up with the never-ending changes in technology? So as a startup company that's not ventured back in the sense where we haven't raised like a $500,000 to $1 million C round of funding, it's very difficult for us in particular to keep up. I keep up in a sense where I'm reading articles and just keeping up in general with the times but as far as being able to actually implement those things I'm not there yet (laughs) by any stretch of imagination just because of the limited resources that we have in order to to do that so um so yeah I mean I read a lot I I follow tech people on Twitter Twitter is like my news site for me I'm always on Twitter all the time seeing what people are talking about, what the buzz is when it comes to this industry and technology in general. And that's, that's how I keep up. But, and, you know, my hope is that over time that CD will be able to implement those things and be able to do some of the work that we would like to do um, once we have more money to do so. Got you. Got you. So what's next for Deshana and Quelle TV? <laughs> So one of the things that we've been doing is focusing on distribution. This year, our goal was focused was going to be focused on live events, but of course, you know that didn't happen. We had a six-day tour last year, which was very successful. Our goal was to increase it this year as well as do a signature event that was like quality called QualiCon, and so that was that's on the back burner for now. Hopefully 2021, maybe 2022, it will see how things go. But now our focus is on distribution. We were on Comcast, we are on Cox this year. We should be getting on a new platform called um, Distro TV, which is like a competitor to Pluto. We've had conversations with other 
linear, online linear dis distribution channels as well, which I won't name because contracts haven't been signed yet, but that's one of our main goals this year. We also started a live 24-hour channel that is um, ad-supported, and it's, we have about 400 times on the platform. Our linear fee shows about 20 of them a month, so it's a very small, select group of films. We want people to at least get a taste of the content that we have on the platform. And our goal is to use that space to also support Black-owned businesses, offering really cheap ways to for Black-owned businesses to, to get you know ads out um, through our platform, and you know, live streaming is on our website, our apps, as well as on Comcast. And some more things we're hoping to do for, for 20, well, 2020 and beyond is really increase our, our reach internationally. Right now, about 19% of our customers are international. We really want to increase that. We hope to create a Black Filmmaker Fund exclusively for our filmmakers on our platform so they can create more authentic work. And we have a lot of other things down the pike, like awards and other ways in which we can amplify Black filmmakers, as well as create a space in which we can, you know, I, right now I, I would tell people, Quake TV is used as a space to celebrate Black culture, to use storytelling to heal and to educate. And so we're doing that right now, but I definitely want to amplify that a little bit more, having more community conversations, having town halls virtually right now, eventually in person, talking with uh, artists who are using their artwork to, to, to change the world, whether it's through film or whether it's through sculptures and you know, how, how is Black Lives Matter um, amplify through, through the arts. And so we really want to take that to another level um, through our platform. Excellent. Excellent. And how many countries is, is Quelle TV in right now? So you can watch us anywhere in the world if you have internet access. Got you. Got you. So it's, it's, um, the, the interesting thing is that, um, when I, when I watch your, I, I normally watch your, your, um, I watch Quelle TV from my phone. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's amazing. Like it's, it, it works, it works just well. And I love the fact that, um, I'm, I'm on a network that, you know, is black owned and it's, it's speaking to me in the sense where as stories that I can actually relate to. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I encourage, you know, the purposeful story family to definitely subscribe to quality TV. It's very affordable. I think it's, it's more than affordable, um, for, for the quality that you're getting and the value you're getting. All right. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. So Nishana, we're moving on to the purpose round and uh, these questions just require short, brief, brief answers if possible. So our first question here is, what is your purpose? My purpose, as I was mentioning, is to use storytelling, Black storytelling as a way to heal, educate, um, and celebrate the Black community around the world. That, that's my purpose. All right. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Ida B. Wells, that is my Shiro. I read her autobiography when I was in college and she grew up in Mississippi, born and raised in Mississippi, lived in Memphis for her young adult life and then moved to Chicago. And especially I wanted to be a journalist, so I was a journalist at the time. Oh my God, like she is a, a this freedom fighter, so strong, black, strong black woman. And I would love to talk to her. I would love to, I would love to hear sort of you know, how she was able to endure and how she was able to build during that time. And you think about it, 
late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, it's such an interesting time. And, and we talk about how hard it is for us now. It was really, really hard for them then. I mean, she built uh, a publication at a time when not only Black people, but for Black women, you know, to be able to do something like that was just, you know, unheard of. And so she's definitely a shero of mine, and I would love to talk to her. Wonderful. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? My main strategy for organizing my day is getting ready the day before. And so I'm usually up late working, unfortunately, to 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. But I, before I go to bed, I always write out my goals for the next day because if I don't, I feel disjointed. Like, what am I supposed to do again? Because usually at night when you finally put down your work, you kind of know exactly what kind of way your game plan is. So it's like a game plan for the next day. So I have to write it out the next day. That's the only way I could, you know, be productive that morning when I wake up. What was your worst moment and what did you learn from it? My worst moment... I would say that this this past decade was pretty rough. Mm. Uh, I want to say it was just one particular moment. I mean, it wasn't one particular moment. It was like compounding. It's kind of, it started off with my, my mother-in-law being diagnosed with lung cancer, non-smoker. She passed away uh, at wow. the end of the, that year. And then two years later, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer, again, non-smoker. I moved back to Memphis to, to help, my, help my mom. He's still with us, thankfully. Um, but it was just my, my nephew died and my aunt died and all within the span of like, a, like a, you know, a couple of years, just really, just really, really rough. rough. And then last year, my husband got sick and um, my dad got sick again. And I, all the things I've with my company, you know, wire fraud, people stealing. It was just been crazy and very emotional roller coaster for me. Um, and so, um, how did I get over? I don't know. I mean, I had some really, really dark moments, especially last year. I think I cried more last year than I probably cried in my entire life. To be quite, I'm never, I'm not a crier. I'm not a person who cries, but oh, there were lots of tears uh, <laughs> mm. uh, this past decade for sure, and definitely last year. And so, getting over for me has been just taking it day by day, um, and know that you know things happen. Everything. Things may happen, but it's not going to always be there, and things will eventually turn around, and you just don't know when or how or how things are going to work out. I didn't know, you know, how my husband's, you know, health situation will work out and my dad's and how, how things will happen with, with his mom. But it was just, you know, I just don't know. It's, you just, you never know. And so I've just been trying to take more time to take care of my mental state because when you go through a lot, is you know you especially like all things a lot of things at once it can it can really break you and I've just been trying to you know give in the mornings meditate pray so I can be grounded so I you know and be ready for the day and and that's all you can do. <laughs> Absolutely. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that? <laughs> that's an interesting question. So with the technology that we have now. I will leverage that by, honestly, I just, I'll buy the website and the, and the domain name <laughs> and do all the, the simple stuff you can do. And knowing what I know now, I probably could start Clay TV, but it would just be on an even smaller scale than when I started with, with the $20,000. Um, I just think that as long as you have an ideal and you can buy the domain name and put your thoughts out there, 
like you're golden with with instagram and and all the other platforms speaking your truth to to people that and being truthful about what you're looking to create you're going to find an audience who wants to support you and they can kind of go from there absolutely what's the best advice you've ever received the best advice i've ever received was for me to believe in the person that other people see in me that I don't see in myself. Mm. So I'm going to tell you a person where I'm very like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I would say I don't see what other people see in me. Like you're like, Oh, I, like I said, I'm a regular person. Oh, you're not a regular person. I see myself as a regular person. Uh, my friend like, oh my God, Jane, but this company have all these films. Like, I, like you were on, Roku, you're on Comcast, and you act like, you know. <laughs> um, and so, because I know the struggle, the struggle is so real, so I don't, I'm, I'm in it every single day, so you don't really get a chance to see sort of fruits of your labor because you're just still picking and still harvesting and planting. You're, you know, you're still in the field, right? You're not really able to sit back and drink the lemonade uh, on the mm. porch. And so uh, that is something that someone, one of my good friends, she's told me, like, Shana, why see you don't see yourself? You need to see yourself how we see you. You need to, you know, see yourself that way. And I'm working really hard to do that. I haven't even gotten there yet. I mean, it's a it's a day-to-day process for me to see that in myself. I can definitely relate to that. As a startup, you know, you just want to put your head down and, and work. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to. So I, I can definitely relate to that. But I'll 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 hop on that side and say you're definitely you're definitely a mogul for sure, Deshauna. You're killing it. Um, list I your t- that. no problem. List your top three most influential books. It could be one to three. Hmm. So, as I mentioned, um, the autobiography of Ida B. Wells. I think it's called "To Keep the Waters Troubled." I think that's what the book is called. That's one. I know I talked with this book, but it was definitely instrumental for me. The Alchemist. I know I went talked with this book, but um, I remember reading it maybe like 10 years ago and it really did, it really did change my life in a way. Um, and the third book, gosh, I don't know. I should be downstairs looking at my book collection because I've read quite a few books, but those are the top two I can think of right now. If I think of the third one, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. Sounds <laughs> good. And tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on true about business that most people don't agree with me hmm that is interesting i would say not about business but maybe about black business right sure so one of the things starting now even now that i get from people is that black people don't watch documentaries black people don't want to see anything but dramas about whatever or slapstick comedies and you know um and yeah we we like those movies we like our throwback films but like people love our documents on clay tv we're proving people wrong um by the content that we have like you need ratchet you know someone's like i need a ratchet channel like literally say <laughs> nor for black people to watch clay tv you're gonna need a ratchet channel you need to maybe partner with world Stuff hip-hop or something like that but i would never partner with wow. i would never have um you know, Real Housewives of whatever on Clean TV. But if other streets are already doing it, like, why would I do that? Absolutely. And I was, and I was concerned at one point, like, well, maybe are they right? Like, do I, 
do I need to have, you know, demeaning content on Koi TV in order for Black people to like it? But you know what? Koi TV isn't for everyone, you know, but we have an audience for the content, you know, for the, for the people who want our content. And I'm content with that. And so I think, like, that's probably, like, the biggest obstacle that I've sort of had to sort of say, nope, I think that Black people want to see more than this. Another thing that, certainly, and these are Black people who tell me that what Black people want to watch. Now, with white people, the, the issue is that Black people don't want to spend money or Black people don't have enough money or very negative things like, can Black people afford, you know, $5.99? <laughs> uh, things like that. And I'm, it's shocking to me that people assume that all Black people are living in projects and all, are all on public assistance and can't, for, and can't afford a monthly subscription of $5.99 or can't afford 50 bucks a year for a subscription, or especially outside of the U.S., like, well, you know, Africans can afford that. When I talk to Africans, like, wow, five nine nine, I can. That's that's cheap. Okay, great. That's how I, you know. So um, that's been something I've been working really hard to sort of change that mindset about you know black people's spending habits as well as black people's viewing habits. And I'm hoping we're doing the right thing, but we've definitely had a lot of negative comments about that from people who want to invest or whatever. Hmm. And is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? So while we're in a pandemic, it's interesting being hearing like two things, right? Kill it, keep your head down. Now's the time to build, you know, like live out your dreams because you're working from home and you have more time in your hands, blah, blah. Um, then the other side is like, we're doing the best we can. This is a mental mental stressful time for us mentally and don't feel compelled to blah, blah, blah. I, of course, I have felt both ways, right? Where I'm on a go, I'm like, oh my God, I'm killing it. And then sometimes I'm like, just mentally, I, I just want to kind of check out. And my thing is don't worry about doing either or, just do what's best for you during this time. If you feel compelled to write that book, if you feel like something nudging at you to, work on some project that you never thought you could do like this is the time to do it while um you have maybe a lot more free time where you're not traveling and you can't you know go out in the summer all these things that we would typically be doing um this time of year use this time but it's also a good time to sort of be within and really figure out like who are your real friends and what are the things that are important to you and, and um, to like cut out the things that aren't important to you. Um, I think it's a really good time for that. And that would be my suggestion. I've been really, myself personally, being very intentional with the projects I'm working on, very intentional with the partnerships I want to have, the people who I, who I want to work with, the people who I want to spend time with virtually, you know, with these happy hours and things, you know, virtual happy hours that, you know, people have been having. I'm very intentional about that now because I have that time not traveling twice a month to go to this thing, go to that thing. And, you know, I have more time to, to do the things I want to do and, and try to lay out the life that I want. And so while, and that's, you know, job, career, mental, everything. And so just use this time. I don't, I don't say it's opportunity because um, I hate that word because people are dying from COVID-19. And for some people, this is an opportunity. This is a nightmare. And people are living this every single day. But Very for true. those of us who are healthy, um, all we can do is just focus on on how we want to how we want to be after all this, you know, finally ends. Like, what what do you want this 
what do you want life to look like? And that has been like my focus this year. Powerful, powerful. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you and learn more about your purposeful journey? Sure. Just follow me on Quilly TV. It's um, Quilly.tv. That's the website. And all the handles is at K-W-E-L-I-T-V. All right. And Deshana, again, appreciate you for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. No worries. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was edited by Clayton Bob of Precise AV Solutions, and the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is help drive more listeners to the value we're bringing to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Thank you.